back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to get to know more about us, we are a part of Rebel Alliance Media Network. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You'll find four other podcasts in our network. Got to make sure you got the right number. We got a new one. Yeah, we've been growing. Mm-hmm. So we record a podcast with our kids. It's a podcast for families on church history, and it's called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. And we basically cover a figure from church history. Nate Wright and Chris Poots put out their Rebel podcast on Wednesdays, engaging culture with a biblical worldview and helping you to do so also. So check them out on Wednesdays. Yeah, the last episode with Amy Bruinsma was really good. Yeah, that was awesome. Talking about her and Jay's journey in faith and into homeschooling Mm -hmm. it was a really good episode which is near and dear to our heart of course so good job amy keep your children and then ben emery recorded a redeeming history podcast season one i think it's over now but you can go get those episodes it was a great season that podcast is a lot more produced and scripted so it's much cleaner than the mess you're about to consume Uh, it's a treat to listen to, and it is just a different style than what we have on Rebel Alliance, so it's really cool. Good balance. Yeah. The new one is called the Podcast for Cultural Reformation, and this is coming out of the Ezra Institute, and those episodes are coming out on Friday. They just put out a couple episodes where they interviewed pastor and author Doug Wilson and talked about the a theology of music. Which so, is really, really interesting and yeah. done really well. Yeah, so go check that out. Go to the website, subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher so that way you get all of our new content when it's released throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Also, we have some amazing Patreons. Yeah, we do. Like, y'all are blowing our minds. Yeah, we. you guys have been incredible and... Super generous. Yeah. So thank you all to our Patreons. You know who you are. Mm Mm-hmm. We just really appreciate it, and we feel the love. Yeah, and your contributions are going to enable us to do some big stuff, which so, is in the works. Also, yeah. if you have not yet done the pro-life challenge. It is still going on. It There's no expiration on this. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we would encourage you. I know like schedules get busy, things happen, but we are starting to see a little bit of momentum um, happen, and we... Would love if you guys would join in the fight yeah. by making your own video, tagging your friends, encouraging them to make their video. Um, especially right now in the abortion debate, it's, I mean, it is just viral. Everyone's talking about abortion right now. Now is the time for you to make your pro life challenge video. Yeah. And courage begets courage. And yeah. seeing people like Doug Wilson, George Grant, and Joe Boot, and some of these other kind of bigger name theologians, pastors, and authors do the pro-life challenge has been encouraging to me. We're hoping that that encourages everyone else to post a video and tag us so we can share it. But the other thing is everyone has a different friends list. And so every single video that people share and we get to share is going out to even more and more people to see Mm -hmm. 
from God's word, we need to protect life. Mm-hmm. And we're just hoping that Christians are encouraged and edified by these videos. I know I have been. Already. I think one of my favorite videos has honestly been Amy Bruins Mutt just because I love how she talked about how awkward it was to try and record a video. And yeah, hers just, was real. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's honestly kind of the truth of it is as Christians, we can easily hide behind a label and say, yeah, we're pro-life. But then when we're, I guess, encouraged to make a video yeah. and, and explain why we're pro-life and open ourselves up to a little bit of blowback, maybe it, it kind of I don't know. It's different. It it is a little bit more challenging. Mm. And so I appreciated her honesty when she was recording hers. That was, I think, more encouraging even than Doug Wilson's, even though it's amazing and (laughs) super thankful that he did that. (laughs) But I think just seeing regular people share and be open and courageous enough to share why they are pro-life has been really encouraging. Yeah, it's been awesome. So make your video. It can be 45 seconds. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Lego movie would say. <laughs> and tag us in it so we can see it and share it. We would love it. So, pro life challenge. Go do it. Go do it. Speaking of abortion, in light of pro life stuff and current events, we thought this topic has not been spent. Let us languish a bit longer on it. So for the whole five of you who've been living under a rock this last week or so, Mm -hmm. Alabama has passed a pro-life law that basically would nullify all abortions in the state of Alabama, except for if the mortality of the mother was being risked by staying pregnant. Um, There are no exceptions for rape or incest, which a lot of pro-life bills include. Mm -hmm. So this one was huge. It was a milestone bill. And Governor Kay Ivey, who is a, let's just say, call her a mature. She's 74, 75, something like that. uh, A mature woman who was around for Roe versus Wade. Yep. She was the one who was able to put pen to paper and sign this uh, bill into law. So super huge, super encouraging, super awesome. Mm -hmm. And then Georgia has passed a abortion ban. Heartbeat. Heartbeat ban. Yeah. Okay. So I guess this is where the technicality. By six weeks, the heartbeat is found right. in most pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even before that, because technically I think the heart starts beating at 10 days. So it's by ultrasound as soon as they can find a heartbeat. Yeah. And I think Georgia's bill specifically said something like whenever cardiovascular function or action or... Mm-hmm. Something like that can be found any any time past that you are not allowed to abort. Right. So that's huge because most women don't even know they're pregnant before six weeks. Really. It's usually about the time you find out, right? About four, five, six weeks. If you're if, if you're, you're trying to find out if you yeah, are. Yeah. Right. But normally if you're just happening to find out, yeah. it's already six, seven weeks. Yeah. And then Missouri Theirs is an eight week. So any pregnancies before eight weeks. This is all within like a couple weeks. Yeah, this is, I mean, we're rejoicing for the courageous actions of these legislators because this is huge. This is, this is a big deal. I mean, it's been blowing my mind and just been almost surreal to see the headlines. I mean, Ohio a few months ago was making a big deal because they were trying to pass a heartbeat bill and kind of a lot of exceptions. Yeah. It wasn't that good. That was a little clunkier. Yeah, that was much more clunky. There was other. But they were trying. They were trying. Mm Mm-hmm. They need to 
go back to the drawing board. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then Georgia comes out, and of course, a lot of Hollywood is invested into Atlanta in Georgia, and so that was a huge social media uproar. Alyssa Milano and all yeah. the ridiculous things that she has posted, and they still went through with it anyway. Yep. And then Alabama comes out, and then like three days later, Missouri, Missouri. comes out. I'm telling you, for pro-life people, we're just like, this is an answer to prayer for like, yeah. I mean, years um, we've been praying that our land would protect the unborn and protect the innocent. Mm-hmm. And it's actually happening before our eyes, and it's incredible. Yeah, and if you've been courageous enough to share anything on social media, you've noticed that people have strong opinions on this. <laughs> and it's interesting to me... It so happens. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me how for as long as I've had social media, I have mm-hmm. shared pro-life things. Right. And I've typically gotten very little resistance. And I have, I mean, a fair share of very... Uh, secular, unchristian friends and family on my social media. So it's not like I am, you know, have a little echo chamber and that's why I've not received pushback. But I think for the longest time, liberals weren't concerned. Well, they were still in the lead. Yeah. They were still winning. Well, and they thought that they were never going to lose ground. Right. You know, they were never going to lose ground. So it it didn't necessarily matter what the few ignorant pro-lifers were posting about. Yeah. But the last week especially, I think they're starting to realize, oh, dang, we might we might yeah. lose this. Well, and what's awesome to me is that they haven't stopped fighting either. But I think because God's more powerful, you know, <laughs> than the darkness, that now we're gaining ground and we're winning. Mm-hmm. And they're freaking out. Yeah. And we've poked the hornet's nest. And like you said, you never really got any pushback before. But this week... But now you are because they're like, crap, we're yeah. starting to lose. Yeah. What's going on? This is actually kind of scary now. Yeah. Which is awesome for pro-lifers, yeah. but... It's awesome to see them <laughs> freak out so much. One of the things that we want to talk about today is, yes, like abortion in general. That's going to be the mm-hmm. main topic that we discuss. Yeah. But we're going to talk about a few things specifically in the abortion debate. Yeah. Has changed especially in the last 20 years, probably, Mm -hmm. with the advancement of a lot of technology and with the rise of feminism. I think especially it's changed. Um, One of the things that we have heard over and over and over again this week and have seen many memes and supposed snarky tweets about is just how old white men ought not to have any power over a woman's body. The worst existence to have right now, according to liberals, (laughs) is to be a senior citizen and have white skin. Even though most of the liberals are white men. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Buttigieg. I mean, just saying. (laughs) Just saying. So here's a little historical background. We're going to get a little homeschool on you guys tonight. We're homeschool. We homeschool three kids. Yeah. So you're going to get a little civics lesson. Yeah. The people who voted to pass this bill in Alabama were all men. There were some women that were not present. So who knows how they would have voted. Mm-hmm. And and then there were white men who also voted nay mm-hmm. on it. So it wasn't just like all white men unite, you know, and, and then, they voted for this Yeah. Thing. And then all the women were like, how dare you? There were no women. That's how much it mattered to them. They didn't even show up to vote. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the governor of Alabama is a white woman. Yeah. Who signed it into law. Anyway, she could have vetoed it, could have tossed it around, you know, the government. 
but she didn't. She signed it in. So that kind of takes the argument away uh, from them, yeah. away from them right away. So, yeah. so what what white men do we know in history that really have influenced the abortion debate more than any other group of white old men? Funny you asked that question. <laughs> So the landmark case, Roe versus Wade, that people are familiar with in 1973, mm-hmm. was a case in Texas that was elevated to the Supreme Court because a girl wanted an abortion and it was not allowed. The case that they were making was that this was a medical situation. Her privacy is supposed to be respected. Therefore, the 14th Amendment which says that no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property, doesn't apply because of her privacy rights. HIPAA laws, essentially. Essentially. But in essence, to do that, you have to say it's not a person Mm because, I mean, that kind of stuff gets thrown out the window when you're talking about murder. Right. And so ideologically, philosophically, they were already down the creek Mm -hmm. without a paddle by treating it this way. But the Supreme Court in 1973 were all men, first of all. All white men, besides one. They were, yeah, that's right. They were all white men except for one. But first of all, you have to say it was all men, though. Mm-hmm. And the argument we keep hearing, and I've seen this on Twitter, it's just, it's over and over and over again on an image, and it just says, men should not make laws about women's bodies. Well, they did in 1973. They did make a law about it. Well, the Supreme Court made a ruling on it. Yes, you're right. Yeah, good correction. I misspoke. They didn't make a law about it. They ruled on a case, which then people referred to Mm -hmm. as a quote-unquote law. But they do that because it's in their favor to do whatever the heck they want to do. And that's why we're okay with men making that decision in 1973, because it allowed women to break God's commands Mm -hmm. and there were no repercussions. Mm -hmm. That's why they liked it and they were okay with it. This is where I feel so inclined to be like the homeschool mom. Most Americans (laughs) do not even understand the three branches of government or how they like interact. I mean, it was designed to be a checks and balances kind of system. And for those of you who don't know, the three branches of government are legislative, executive, and judicial. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the legislative branch is the branch that makes the laws. Right. But the president is allowed to veto mm-hmm. a law that they make right. if he so sees fit, even though the president is part of the executive branch. Mm-hmm. The executive branch is the branch that is in charge of enforcing laws. Okay. So president, federal agencies, like FBI, that's right. all part of the executive branch. And enforcing, like you said, enforcing laws. Yes, they enforce it. But what does the judicial branch do? The judicial branch is the branch that is in charge of interpreting laws. Okay. They cannot make laws. They interpret them. Mm-hmm. So the judge would would decide a case and then say, because you broke this law, because this is a law that's broken, I am going to sentence you to right. this punishment. Mm-hmm. And then the executive branch comes, the police officer or whatever, um, the federal officer would come mm. and then he would enforce the law. Yeah, the punishment or whatever. The punishment, yeah, for the law that was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the problem, though. Where does the Supreme Court fall in these three branches? Judicial. The Supreme Court is part of the judicial branch. They are essentially the judges of judges. Right. If your local judge does something that is, quote, unconstitutional, mm-hmm. you have a right to appeal to the Supreme Court. 
And then that panel of judges, the judges of judges, so to speak, Mm -hmm. uh, is allowed to then hear your case and make a ruling. And they can either rule in your favor and overrule your local judge's decision. Or they can basically affirm what your judge ruled. Right. That's their that's their task. Mm-hmm. They do not make laws. They are supposed to judge whether or not the law is being followed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they don't make laws. They take the laws that the legislative branch, branch. and the executive branch have put into effect. Yes. They take those laws and then decide whether that law was broken or not. So because... Our Constitution has uh, set up our three branches of government Mm -hmm. in this way. It prevents any type of tyranny, any type of monopoly of power. Yep. I mean, it's it's supposed to prevent that. Yeah, it was on purpose. They did it on purpose. They were under the king in England Mm -hmm. and then being, you know, lorded over by parliament and the king from England. And they were like, this needs to change. There needs to be some kind of checks and balances. Yep. That's why we've survived as long as we have with as much freedom as we have is Mm -hmm. because of the checks and balances. So why this is important to understand, though, the three branches of government and and essentially how they work. Mm -hmm. We're not like, you know, case law lawyers, but (laughs) this is essentially how they're supposed to work. This is what made Roe versus Wade unconstitutional to begin with, because that Supreme Court had no business making a law, the law of... America at that time was that abortion was illegal. That was the law. No person should ever say Roe versus Wade is settled law. So deal with it. Right. Which is what we heard from from some liberals recently. It's settled law. Yeah. Like, do you do you even civics? Do you even civics at all? (laughs) There was actually, I think, a Jimmy Fallon skit where he went to the streets of New York and asked millennials if they knew the three branches of government. Oh, that's hilarious. None of them did. Not a one? Not one, I don't think. I think so, there was like one old guy. So, <laughs> I think he was a white, old white man. Old white guy? Yeah. Knew how it actually worked? Yeah. So what we're saying is that if we really want to do away with any type of old white men's opinions about our bodies... Let's go all the way back then. Yeah. Let's do away with Roe versus Wade altogether. Yep. If you really want to play that card, we can play that card, but it's going to play in our favor. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not to mention it was just unconstitutional to begin with. Right. And that's what we're saying about the judicial branches. They aren't supposed to rule on a case. And then forever into the future, we look back at a case ruling to know how laws are made. That's not what we do. Now that we're done with our little lesson here. Another thing that we hear a lot, I have seen a lot on social media, is that it is wrong for a society to impose an ideology upon a woman whose life could be at risk because of her pregnancy. Whether it was a pregnancy that was conceived by rape or incest or even just in a marriage, if a woman's life is at risk, she should not be forced to carry the child, the pregnancy, to term. There have been a couple bills that were drafted up that were very weak in their language that basically made it seem as though even if a woman were mentally in the wrong state, Mm -hmm. she could decide to abort her pregnancy because it would do mental harm to her. 
So basically, a woman could go in and just say, oh, I'm just so I'm anxious so depressed. all the time. Yep. I'm so depressed, and I just can't handle this pregnancy. Yep. And then as long as that was documented by a doctor. She could get an abortion. She could get an abortion. Um, and then there Which were- Which would be pretty easy to fudge. Right. Not so in the Alabama No, they didn't law. include that. No, no not at all. mental state. The And I think it even says, like, serious, like, serious effects to the life of the mother. Yeah, to the life of the mother. Yes, not to the mental state or the welfare or any other words they use. Mm -hmm. It's the life of the mother, I believe. Yeah. We want to talk about that because that's a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. Yes. Hits a little close to home. It does. In 2010. 2010. Mm -hmm. I had to do some math. (laughs) After Lila was born, a couple months after Lila was born. Our oldest. Yep. Our oldest. We found out we were pregnant, but after going to the doctor, they realized that something was off and found out that she was having an ectopic pregnancy. And an ectopic pregnancy is when the fertilized egg is implanted in the fallopian tube. Or anywhere outside of the uterus. Or anywhere outside the uterus. Yep. For those of you who don't know how pregnancy works, (laughs) a baby ought to grow in the uterus. Yes. That is its proper home for those nine months, ten months. Yeah. There's nowhere else in a woman's body that can facilitate the growth of a baby right. for very long outside of the uterus. So if if that fertilized egg attaches in the fallopian tube, it will grow and burst the fallopian tube, mm-hmm. which causes extreme internal bleeding. Yeah. And a mom can bleed to death. Bleed to death. Because of that, what they do to treat this and protect the life of the mother is they terminate that pregnancy. They terminate that pregnancy inside the fallopian tube. So this is one of the hardest things that we have ever had to do in our life. It only happens because sin has entered the world. Because otherwise, pregnancies would happen with no complications. It was labeled an abortion on medical paperwork and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Recently, CrossPolitik actually talked about ectopic pregnancies a little bit and the alabama bill seems to be protecting moms in this situation Mm -hmm. where we lived at the time we lived about 45 minutes to an hour from the hospital and if erica's fallopian tube had ruptured in the middle of the night or whenever at home it can take between 15 and 20 minutes to bleed to death she would have died before emergency Um, services would have got to our house because of where we lived. I mean, even if we lived right next to the hospital, had I burst and I walked into the hospital, by the time I was triaged, sat on a table, got me into surgery, I mean, I would have Yeah, we all know how quick hospitals are at triaging people. Yep. I mean, it's massive internal hemorrhaging. Right. So where we were at, terminating this new pregnancy was the method we had to uh, we had to follow through with mm-hmm. in order to protect Erica's life. I was 19 years old. I had a three-month-old baby, and I remember looking at my daughter thinking, I literally just gave birth to this. I know, yeah. How can I possibly make this decision to terminate this pregnancy? This is a person. This is a baby yeah. inside of me. And we were lucky enough to ha- have been going to a Catholic hospital mm-hmm. who were pro-life. And we had a good doctor who mm-hmm. walked us through all of this. Yeah. I don't think theologically he did a stellar job, but I think medically <laughs> he did a very good job of yeah. explaining you don't have an option in this. Right. There's there's zero chance of the baby surviving. Mm-hmm. And as a 
then and today, there is no option to go in and remove the baby from the fallopian tube and cause it to reattach in the uterus. Right. Hopefully in the future, and I know that there are doctors working on this, they will be able to do that. They'll be yeah. able to detach the baby from the place Flopian it ought tube. not be and reattach it where yeah. it should be. But yeah. right now, we are not able to do that. Yeah. We're post-mill. We have hope yeah. that this, is, this will happen. Yeah, exactly. And with the way medical science advances, I mean, every year, hopefully sooner rather than later. But because we are Christian, it was incredibly traumatic yeah, because we understood that to be the life of our child, that that was a baby that, you know, it was its life was going to end. And we had to decide when, basically. So over the course of a couple weeks, I think it was two weeks in total, Yeah, because we didn't want to just go ahead and terminate the pregnancy, we waited as long as we possibly could mm-hmm. to just make sure that we weren't super early in our pregnancy and that's why it wasn't right. where it was supposed to be. And the doctors were great about giving us tons of ultrasounds. Yeah. And then finally, we were able to determine the blo- where the blockage was in my fallopian tube mm-hmm. and see that it was... I mean, it was for sure very large. Mm -hmm. The baby was very mature. And so it was time to have the the procedure done. And essentially what they did for me, I'm sorry, this is graphic, but I think it's helpful because there are very few resources for ectopic pregnancy from a Christian perspective. What we had to do was I got a few shots, a few rounds of chemo Mm -hmm. and chemotherapy. For those of you who don't understand how chemo works, it is designed to kill any type of rapidly reproducing cells which is what cancer is which is what cancer is but it's also what a human is yeah. i mean when you are growing a baby it's cells are reproducing if you understand right. how pregnancy works two cells become four become right. eight you know and it keeps going and so um so we had chemotherapy and then we were sent home to just wait to deliver mm-hmm. and it was the worst thing i've ever experienced in my entire life Yeah, I remember crying and hating sin, thinking how much better it'll be when there's no sin in our world, you know? Yeah. And just how I hate this. Yeah. I hate it so much. Yep. Being pro-life, life life begins at conception, and that baby was a baby, even though it was growing in the wrong place. Yeah. That was our child that we had to terminate. As hard as it was, and... And it's still even now when we think about it, it mm-hmm. it's it's it sucks and we it hurt. It did yep. hurt uh, deeply to do this. I did have a Bible college professor probably a year before this happened mm-hmm. talk about in a class on a lot of different ethics. He was talking a lot about a lot of different things. But in passing, he talked about him and his wife going through the same thing and talking about mm-hmm. the idea of saving as much life as you can in any situation. He gave this as an example of when you do that. And there's a lot of different ways or a lot of different situations in life where you do this. Mm-hmm. War, uh, you know, just certain tragedies. Yeah. I think Doug Wilson had a great example. Um, Even in immigration, he was talking about that. Right. So then he applied it to this. I can remember looking down on the medical records, though, after everything was mm-hmm. said and done with. And I think it, I was pregnant with Eddie. I They always ask you when you get pregnant, like, how many pregnancies, how many live births, how many whatever. Yeah. And my topic pregnancy was listed as an abortion. And mm-hmm. I can just remember, like, that 
brought so much guilt and some of the things that I think Christians said to me even after our type of pregnancy were so hateful. I mean, I had women saying, if you were truly a good mom, you would have just died for the life of your baby. And I I can remember just thinking, my baby's going to die either way. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no chance. Trust me, I would have gone to the ends of the earth to preserve this little life. Right. I mean, I waited for as long as possible, risking rupturing. I mean, I waited, I think, a week longer than doctors even recommended, just praying and asking God for a miracle, and it didn't happen. And Christians were ugly. Yeah. And then on the other side of the the aisle were the, you know, feminists and the liberals who said, it's not really a life. Yeah. It didn't even make it into your uterus. It's not a life. It was just a bunch of cells. Like, I don't know why you're worried about this. Yeah. And I thought, clearly there has to be a better response than you should have died if you mm-hmm. loved your child or it didn't matter. Yeah. A very helpful distinction that Al Mohler made on the briefing a few days ago mm-hmm. is that Abortion is the willful and conscious ending mm-hmm. of a child's life. Yep. There's no no complications, no whatever, no you making excuses about my mental yep. state. Yep. Or all of a sudden I have high blood pressure now, so my health is at risk. I must end this. Mm-hmm. Which it's, is funny, too, because I had preeclampsia <laughs> with our first. <laughs> um, all my pregnancies were just crazy. It's very true. An ectopic pregnancy does not fit that bill. Yeah. There's no way to preserve that life. You know, things happen in our life where people are in a coma for a very long time Mm -hmm. and brain activity goes away Mm -hmm. and they're only being kept alive by a bunch of machines and Mm -hmm. families are faced with a very difficult decision to pull the plug or not. Yes. It's very similar. Yeah. Something has gone wrong. Yeah. It's not everything is normal. Do we kill them or not? Right. And recently, one of our sweet friends has had an ectopic pregnancy and I know is in a, you know, a rough season in life right now, she Mm -hmm. and her husband. And she and I were talking just the other day when we were discussing actually what we're going to talk about tonight. The thing that she and I kept coming back to is that there just aren't any resources for Christians on the topic of ectopic pregnancy. They're just, there are no good resources. And so when you're faced with that challenge and all you hear is, the life didn't matter or, you know, it wasn't even a life at all mm-hmm. or it's you should have died with your child or you're not very pro-life. I thought you were pro-life. I mean, what what are you doing terminating your pregnancy? You're faced with this guilt and remorse and it's just a weird emotion. And so the first thing I would like to say is if there's anyone out there that's ever struggled with ectopic pregnancy and you want to talk to someone, please reach out. You can yeah. find me on Facebook. Erica Van Brimmer. Just type in Van Brimmer. There aren't many of us. You'll find me. <laughs> Two words. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would love to talk with you and pray with you and give you some counsel on this. It's something that, yeah. by the grace of God, he has grown me and changed me and really helped me walk through those hard seasons after our topic pregnancy. And I, I would love to help you if I could. Um, but another thing that my friend and I discussed is that We are just so tired of our situation, our topic pregnancy, and our children being used as an excuse to murder other babies that could have made it out Mm -hmm. alive. We would give anything to have a healthy pregnancy, to have a baby who's growing where they're supposed to be growing. I mean, we we would go to the ends of the earth to have that happen. And here are women who have that. And they're 
they're throwing it away. Literally, they're right. throwing their children away mm-hmm. and they're using us as the excuse because yeah. there's a very small portion of women whose lives are literally at risk. Yeah. That's why it's okay to murder healthy babies. Yeah. And we're tired of it. Yeah. They use your situation and then exploit it mm-hmm. and come up with workaround or backdoor ways of explaining their yep. situation so that they can abort a perfectly healthy Yeah. My baby, baby is not your excuse to murder yours. And so that was one of the things that she and I were just like, it's time that <laughs> someone stands up and says, you know what? Yeah. This is a terrible thing that can happen to some moms. It's super rare. Super rare. It doesn't happen very often. Mm-mm. But there are ways to outlaw murder like Alabama did and still preserve life for mothers who are really at risk. And I think Alabama is a shining example of that. Yeah, exactly. One of the ways that we want to honor not only our child's life, whoever that little baby was, that little boy, that little girl that we lost, and the life of our friend's baby, whoever he or she was, is just to use their little testimonies, their little life that God gave to them. As Christians, we believe that every life is precious and has meaning and God can use God can use for his glory. And we're saying even our baby's lives can be used to give God glory. And one of the ways that we wish to do that is to simply use their lives and hold them up and say they still mattered. And even the tragedy that we went through brought us so much grief and so much hardship. And there were so many trials that came out of that. That is what drives us to end abortion. Mm-hmm. We know the devastation of ending life. Right. We know what it feels like to look back and wonder, what if? What if my child was healthy? What if I had them here right now? And how how loving is it to allow women to murder their babies willfully? I mean, I can't even imagine the grief that some women must face after realizing what they've done. Loving yeah. your neighbor means not letting them kill their children. Yeah. Following the command, thou shalt not murder, also includes preserving life as much as possible everywhere. Yeah. So part of obeying that command is to make sure that babies are not murdered in your land. Yeah. That the civil magistrate is upholding God's justice, which is that life is not allowed to be taken. Yeah. And if it is, that life is required of the murderer. Yeah. Ultimately, that is what we would want. And it doesn't end there. So I just want to say, too, that along with God's justice and his law that should be the law of the land, that we should be following after God in this way as people, as churches, as a nation, as Mm -hmm. states, province in Canada, Mm -hmm. that God is a God of hope. Mm -hmm. We want these babies to be born and to hear the gospel and to live lives to the glory of God. Well, we're covenantal, so we believe that some of them are elect. We believe, we do believe that God uh, has elected a people from before the Mm -hmm. foundations of the earth. And that some of these babies are elect and they're in heaven. Yeah. And if you're a Christian, I believe that God has promised Christian parents that your kids are part of his covenant people. Yeah. And that you, again, can have hope. I want to keep saying that word hope. Yeah. You have you can have hope knowing that your children are holy, 1 Corinthians 7. Yeah. And so if you've lost a baby in in whatever fashion, that you will meet your baby again. Yeah. We're hopeful that we're going to get to meet this baby and two others one day. And in the meantime, 
we use their lives as a testimony to life. Exactly. That their life, all life matters, and God can use the life of our children that were lost, whether it was through miscarriage or ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. for his glory. And so that's why we're sharing our story. We've never shared it. I don't to think this I'm, detail. No, on, on a podcast, certainly not. We have personally with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a very sensitive topic, and a lot of Christians respond very poorly to the topic of ectopic pregnancy. Uh-huh. So we, we don't share it very often. But it's not to gain sympathy. It really is because we want the life of our child to matter. Yeah. We don't want any life to be wasted. Yeah. And if even just us sharing our story can encourage um, other Christians or to put a help put a stop to the darkness that is creeping into the abortion debate, um, mm-hmm. justifying murder because of ectopic pregnancy. like Which no. shouldn't be called abortion anyway. It, sh- it shouldn't be called abortion, right. but it is. Right, it is. But yeah. It is. Um, but that's where Christians need to stand up and, and start defining terms, too. We often talk yeah. about how language matters, and it's not an abortion. Any more than a miscarriage would be an abortion, you know? It's it's yeah. just not. It's strategic, though. Like, the language that's used is very strategic. Why it's labeled an abortion and why, especially ectopic pregnancies and situations like that that would jeopardize the life of the mother are um, lumped into the abortion debate. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I think it's so strategic for the pro-death abortionists is that it basically gives them the illusion of pretending like they care about life, yeah. right? It doesn't look good to be pro-death. When you're out there advocating for murder, it's easy to get a bad rap. Well, that's why they call it pro-choice. Mm-hmm. Now they're not even calling us pro-life anymore. It's it's mostly just like pro-birth or anti-choice or they have some way of skirting around the issue. But yeah, when you're out there advocating for death all the time, you get a really bad rap. But if you can pitch it like, oh, no, we're super concerned about women's lives, mm-hmm. then you have this illusion of actually caring about life. It's just a lie. They don't care about the life of the women at all. No. If they did, they wouldn't allow for the majority of abortions to happen. Because statistically speaking, women who have abortions are like four times more likely to commit suicide. I think they're like 50% more likely to self-harm. Wow. And it's just the statistics are astronomical. Yeah. And it it really is all about just being able to sin as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. It's about loving darkness rather than light, yep. like the book of John talks about. Yep. There have been a lot of abolitionists that have pushed back against the Alabama bill, mm-hmm. and they have basically deemed that the life of the mother isn't a suitable reason to abort a baby either. And I, I think that's why the ectopic pregnancy story that we shared, yeah. I think, is important. I think it is important to realize that there are very rare situations where this is possible. Yeah. And if you are pro-life, you are required biblically to care about the life of the mother. And that's because we're not just pro-birth. We're pro-life. Right. So all life. All of life. So as much life as you can preserve, that's what we do. Right. So if it is, in fact, in a case where a woman's life is going to be taken from her, then then we do need to value her life as well. But this is where the some of the abolitionist versus incrementalism mm-hmm. debate kind of begins, too, because I've seen a lot of people talk about not only how the Alabama bill isn't perfect mm-hmm. necessarily, but how we should not be rejoicing over the Georgia bill or the Missouri bill, how Christians are just hypocrites. Because here we are saying that we're pro-life and we're still, you know, allowing for some babies to die in these states. 
the abolitionists want just no abortion, no matter what the situation, period. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Just straight up. So if you can't pass a law tomorrow that says abortion is done with. Absolutely outlawed in every situation. Then we ought not pass any bill restricting anything. And incrementalists believe that we can slowly, piece by piece, get there. Yeah. And it may take some years. Yes. As it has. Yes. It's taken some years to fight and to to get the momentum rolling. But it seems like in the past few years that there's been it's some escalated ground gain pretty yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And so Erica and I are incrementalists. But we're not anti-abolitionists. Like, yeah. If that was possible tomorrow, we would support it. We should be pleasantly unsatisfied mm-hmm. with the Georgia bill, with the Ohio Harvey bill, with Missouri. We should be happy with it because it's progress. Mm-hmm. And we should love progress. If you are post-millennial, post-millennial <laughs> you should love progress Yes, and should understand that this is just how God works, but also unsatisfied because there are some exceptions that we would still say are unbiblical or that are still wrong. Mm-hmm. So Pleasantly unsatisfied with the situation. Yeah. An example of incrementalism that that we all love is that the Roman Empire from the early church until Constantine, slowly people were becoming Christian and eventually the emperor was a Christian. Incrementalism is okay. God, God works in the world through this way. Well, and we need to rejoice in the hope of yeah. the glory of God too. Yeah. You know, God gets glory when ground is made and his mm-hmm. kingdom is expanded and that's our ultimate goal is that not only that abortion would end but that hearts would be changed and that would mean that abortion is unthinkable yeah and that's what's good about our government the mm-hmm. civics lesson we gave to begin with is that a lot of these bills are being passed because people have voted in legislators who are now putting those bills forward and voting yay mm-hmm. when they go to the floor and so when they get passed, it's because the majority of the people in that state want it. Yeah. Because they voted that legislator in. Yeah. We can't have an authoritarian top-down ruling yeah. like Roe versus Wade and just say, okay, now in the land, it's like this. Because if the heart of the people are not mm-hmm. ready for it and don't want it, there's going to be, you know, anarchy. There's yeah. going to be an insurrection. Yeah. And this happened in the Old Testament with Josiah, I believed. He tried to come in and just reform way too much, way too fast. And he was killed yeah. pretty quick. So we should be happy that Alabama mm-hmm. is doing this. I'd be happy if a, if a city yeah. council said, no more abortions in our city. Planned Parenthood, get out of our city. Which is kind of what Jeff Jeff Durbin's trying to do in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Making it a sanctuary city for the unborn. So far, it's not happened. But yeah, and they're fighting well. Yeah. So we should, yeah, we should definitely rejoice over these small. I mean, when a battle's been won, right? The war is big. But mm-hmm. if a battle is won, we rejoice in that. Right. So Spoken like a soldier. Well, can't help it sometimes. <laughs> it's always a terrible thing when Christians turn on each other, too. Yeah. You know, we have enough enemies. We don't need to become enemies. We need to encourage yeah. each other and build each other up. And if your heart is towards abolition, I mean, maybe God will use you in a mighty way. I encourage you. Go ahead. I am praying that you are successful. You know, I am not at all trying to discourage the abolitionist who's trying to go out there and, and I don't know, make something big happen. Just don't hate us, <laughs> incrementalists. Yeah, but but don't war against the incrementalists. Mm-hmm. We preserve as much life as possible, whether it's the life of the mother yeah. or whether it's, you know, the lives of the babies in Alabama. Great. I mean, that's that's fewer babies that are dying. 
So let's preserve and handle what we can preserve and handle and keep working towards more. Yeah. Always working towards more. I'm thinking of the soldiers and militia here in America that were fighting mm-hmm. the British. But there was like the Ben Franklin's and other people going to France saying, yeah. hey, we need help. And they were schmoozing and trying to get <laughs> France <laughs> trying to get France to come and help us. Yeah. And doing totally two totally different things and both were needed. And they and they complemented each other too. Right. You know, their their task was different. Mm-hmm. Maybe God does call some to one thing and some to another, right. but let's work together yeah. and we can do more that way. So hopefully this was helpful and not just yeah. one weird mess of stuff. This is why all politics, like all politics are really local politics. You know, you've heard that True. that saying, all politics are local. Because it begins with who your local representatives are. Who are your local representatives? If you don't know that off the top of your head, mm-hmm. you should. Shame on you. Go figure out who well, they are. All right. I'll go read up on it. <laughs> it's hard for a military family. <laughs> <laughs> we move quite a bit and we don't vote where we live a lot of times. Yeah. Well, we're registered in a different state. So that's right. where we vote. But I still know who my representatives are, and I frequently write to them, and they mm-hmm. mostly ignore me. That's okay. Yep. You get an automatic response, usually. Mm-hmm. But your senators, I mean, every state has two senators. You should know them. <laughs> you should know that stuff. <laughs> you should know who they are, and you should be encouraging them towards godliness. Yeah. Imagine how much hate mail they get, and then they get one that's just like encouragement. Or rebuke if they're bad. Well, that's true, too. Tammy Baldwin's terrible. That's true. She gets Thanks lots a lot, of re- Tammy. She gets a lot of rebuke from me. <laughs> she ignores me. Yeah. That is it. If you guys have questions, please hit us up. Like Erica said, we are totally open for you guys to contact us. And we love in- interacting with the listeners anyway. So we really appreciate it. Subscribe to the feed. Rate, review us. Comment, like, share. We'd appreciate any and all of it. RebelAllianceMedia.com is where you can find the rest of our content. Keep praying. Keep speaking up. Yes. Being a voice for the voiceless. Be courageous. And we pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Let's start with the microphone check One, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search They say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gained So let's explain the new birth First things first Can't neglect this at the start I must preface my remarks With the deadness of the heart From original sin The effects of the fall The sin of our first parents Brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head What he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind Disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state Alaska in the winter time sour in our frames left to ourselves we be devoured in the flames cause we're powerless to change if you feel that way I pray that you respond happily as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3